Hey, welcome to the Brazos Point living room. The three amigos are back together and we are in our massive, spacious, ornate and extravagant <laughs> podcast studio. Massive, spacious, ornate and extravagant? Mm -hmm. That's how I would describe this room. And international. If you want to see, there's a video. <laughs> but I think it's there's none of the above other than international. It is international. <laughs> Lots of boxes. Lots of TVs, too. <laughs> None of them are working. There's not any boxes. Oh, there's one behind me. <laughs> you uh, gotta start okay. over? No. <laughs> this Here is we staying go. in. Here we go. All right, we are in John 12. This is our last week of small groups being connected to our, our messages. Uh, I'm excited for this, too. So... Uh, message not forever, from, just for the Thanksgiving. For, yes, <laughs> just, just, we got some holidays coming. Uh, so jumping in, who is the most famous person you've ever met or interacted with? And how did you react? So I did not react well. This is where I'll start. <laughs> Ashley and I were on the streets of New York City. And you look for famous people there, right? As yes. you do. And uh, <laughs> it was a rainy evening. And we were on a really crowded sidewalk. And there was a woman walking in the lanes of traffic, kind of weaving in between cars, and she was on high hills. She was older, and she tripped and fell and went down to the ground. And I said, Ashley, that's Dionne Warwick, <laughs> which you may not even know who that who? is. Dionne Warwick. Google her. But in addition to other things, in the latter part of her life, she became uh, the representative of the psychic hotline <laughs> that you could call 1-800 number and get a psychic. <laughs> but she was like a singer and she was she was legit famous. So anyway, sure enough, it was Dionne Warwick. And rather than like helping the nice old lady who had fallen in the street, I pointed her out. Oh. <laughs> ben, saying, did you help her? No, no. I just I helped point out just that it was Dionne Warwick on the street, the city oh. streets. Ashley, look at her. You know who that is? Cool. Let's keep going. That was Dionne Warwick. Good luck. Michelle, you Are you Dionne Warwick? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm like, Dion, Dion, how did you not see that fall coming if you're psychic? Oh. oh. Michelle, it. you know a thing or two about finding famous people on the streets of well, New York? Yeah. Actually, I was struggling to think of my answer, but you talking about that reminded me that one time. I saw Samuel L. Jackson in New York. That's a big deal. Ooh. Yeah. So, He's a bigger deal than Warwick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know who that is. And he was standing upright on the sidewalk. <laughs> and so I was walking down the sidewalk and I noticed this huge crowd of people. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Who's the celebrity? And then I got up closer and realized that all these people were kind of taking turns taking pictures with Samuel L. Jackson. I was like, that's awesome. And so I patiently kind of waited for everybody to dissipate. And then I was starting to walk up and like looking for somebody to like hand my camera to or whatever. And I realized that Samuel L. Jackson like hadn't moved a muscle the entire time. And I just thought it was his like Samuel L. Jackson photo pose or something. But then I looked at him more closely and he still was not even blinking. And I started looking around and I <laughs> I realized I was standing outside the wax museum. <laughs> and they had just like pulled his out to like. It wasn't a hot day, was it? To like, to, like lure people in. And it worked. Got me. And it worked. Oh, goodness. I've seen uh, Mike Dicka at an airport in sweatpants. <laughs> True story. Uh, Are you sure? 
Pretty sure. I went <laughs> Dude, to those were sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, Joseph? Oh, mine are not nearly that good. Uh, we were talking about this when I was trying to figure out what mine would be. I thought of Andy Stanley. Yeah. I met him uh, once before at a conference and uh, just personal little hero of mine. And uh, I was telling Shelly about it. He's pretty good size. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't he, think Andy Stanley's better than fake Samuel L. Jackson? No. <laughs> or Dionne Warwick. <laughs> On the ground. You have a very low view of Stanley. <laughs> well, he's very niche. But so is your niche. psychic. Yes. No, everybody knows uh, Dion. But yeah, I met him at a conference, uh, shook his hand, and tried to play it real cool. You know, he's it's a very niche deal, uh, but um, <laughs> I, so I, I try to play it cool, but I was like, well, now that you're going down that road, I don't have a poster of you up in my probably office. Probably one of the most famous people <laughs> that I've interacted with the most is Ron Paul, but he's Ooh. legit famous. Like yeah. everybody knows Ron Paul, not just in our community, but I'm not going to lie. I still get pretty giddy when I see him and talk to him. That's a big really? deal. Yeah. It, see it, him riding his bike? Yeah. No, no. Like when I talk to him. Yeah, but also when he's riding his When bike. he falls down in the street, Shelly. Ashley, come here. That's Ron Paul over there. Also, Michelle and I grew up with a someone who is now a celebrity. Oh, that's true. Like, I've had sleepovers with a now celebrity. Yes. <laughs> Cody Jinx of <laughs> Texas country fame. Yeah. Yeah. He was our childhood friend. Big deal. Big deal. Big well, deal. the reason we're talking about our celebrity famous people encounters is because Jesus, we're going to see, comes into Jerusalem, and he's very much a celebrity. There are many people who are watching him as he enters in to really the biggest moment and most public moment to date in his public ministry. So, most of the people in this moment missed exactly what Jesus was doing. The religious leaders think he's a liar. Many of Jesus' followers expect him to enter into Jerusalem with some fanfare in order to start a revolution, yet Jesus is not the type of king that anyone is expecting. So we read the account as he walks into Jerusalem, but I also have us read him reading Zechariah 9.9, which is a prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling. Uh, in this moment. And here's what it says in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So my question is, what does Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem tell you about the type of king that he is? I, mean, I think it gets to the unexpected king of the unexpected kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Who represents the upside down kingdom that turns all the ways of the world on its head. And so he's, he's uh, righteous and coming in glory, but he's lowly and riding on a donkey. Mm. <laughs> I've ridden a donkey. There's nothing <laughs> glorious about it. There's nothing glorious about donkey riding. Uh, the, it makes me think of every time. It was one of my favorite moments when I lived in Mali. We were testing this story out with our people group, and they called this a miracle. They called him riding into Jerusalem mm. a miracle. And we were like, how is that a miracle? And they were like, he's riding on that tiny baby donkey, and it's still <laughs> able to walk. <laughs> and there are a lot of donkeys there. Oh, that's funny. Uh, man, I always think the the gospel, other Gospels will also give us more details that he gives some real specific instructions 
to his disciples of go do this and go do that. And you'll find this here and go get me a donkey. And I always think about this moment. This is the culmination of so many things. This finally coming into Jerusalem and everyone's so ready for him to come and start the revolution. And here we go coming in as the king and everyone's ready for him. And I just think about Jesus' disciples like, oh yeah, here it is. Finally, we finally got into this moment and Jesus is like, all right, go get my ride. Yeah. Go get me a donkey. <laughs> Victorious. A, a baby one. And lowly. <laughs> uh, but just, if you were God and that was your moment to shine, like clearly none of us would have, we would have picked some crazy animal to ride in on, but Jesus picked a donkey. A velociraptor. Yeah, a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, he's he's very unexpected in what he chooses to do. So clearly here, everyone has missed what he's coming to do. And he even in his entrance, he's defying expectations. So my question is, have you ever had the wrong idea of who Jesus was and what he wanted for or from us? Almost like a Madame Tussauds wax version <laughs> of Jesus. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> I think for me, I'm more likely to have the wrong... Well, no, it's both. It's what he wants for me and from me. Um, Even though I know that my salvation is not works-based, I know that Jesus loves me unconditionally, I still find myself almost thinking like... I can I can earn things in a way. Um, mm. Like I, I think I find myself wanting Jesus to be formulaic. If I do this, then this will happen. If I do that, then this won't happen. And so I think that's both and because it's a misunderstanding of what he wants from me. And it's also a misunderstanding of what he wants for me. Like mm-hmm. he's not looking for me to do X, Y, Z so that he can give me this blessing. Yeah. I think the wrong idea of Jesus that I interact with the most is the genie Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, the genie Jesus who wants to grant my wishes and what he wants for me is health and wealth yeah. and mm. prosperity. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not always the way it comes down. I would say, honestly, more often than not, when I interact with that, it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. It's, it's happiness. Mm-hmm. But Jesus wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. But Jesus wants me to be happy. Well, actually, you know, Jesus wants to conform us into his likeness. He wants us to take on his character, his attitudes, his actions, and his loves. And, uh, and that's not always easy or yeah. the kind of thing that makes your day happy. He wants our whole heart. And, you know, you talking about that also makes me think that... Um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Cut that. Let's get a snack. Well, I mean, I think for a large part of my life, my relationship with God, I, th- I had the wrong idea. I thought that God just wanted me to behave. And he had rules in place to keep me in a box or just, you know, if I didn't do these things, then he was mad. And if I did them, then he would just put up with me and, you know. I just recognized later in life that that was not the good news of the gospel. What you got, Shelley? Yeah, I know what I was thinking of. Um, Like Randy said, he wants health, wealth, and prosperity for us. I've also interacted a lot with the idea of Jesus that, like, I, I have gone so far off the deep end, or I've strayed so far, or I've done this, or I've got this big thing coming up. And so I figure I might as well come to church. I Mm. might as well, you know, start praying. So I've been doing those things and 
that's still not happening. So what's the deal? Like there's just still that kind of um, continuance of that kind of thinking of Jesus that it's formulaic. Mm -hmm. Like the ability to be manipulated, Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, as we continue the story here, we see that Jesus begins to talk a little bit about what's happening here. And he says, the hour has come for him to be glorified. And he says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. And so I also have us reading uh, a passage in Luke, and here's what Jesus said. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? So Jesus has this idea, if you want to follow me, here's what it looks like. And before you say yes, you need to count the cost. Know what is at stake and are you really in? So my question is, what is something you love or have loved that you may have had to leave or give up to follow Jesus? I mean, my first thought goes to... um, So my first thought goes to proximity to family and to familiarity. Like we felt a a clear call from God to come down to Southern Missouri County to serve at Brazos Point. And at the time in our mid-20s, leaving family and all that was familiar really did feel like we were were walking away from something that, you know, we we love. Uh, and, And what I know on the other side of a lot of years of experiences, man, there was a great gain in that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's mine similar as any time I've moved away um, in what I knew was obedience to Jesus. And um, oddly enough, I did have a particularly hard time moving here because I was in Fort Worth, which is home, and I love Fort Worth. I've got friends and family there. Um, Now I've got nephews there and... uh, this was the first time I had moved anywhere indefinitely. This was the first time I had moved somewhere that it wasn't for a specific set amount of time. And I had, I I struggled with that a little bit. It took me a while to make that decision. Hmm. I think I gave up some probably juvenile, but real um, aspirations, you Mm -hmm. know, like as a kid, I was, President, yeah, well, and and even more realistically, even if I wasn't going to be president, every image I had of me was mm-hmm. much uh, more powerful and rich, <laughs> you know. Um, and so you weren't riding a donkey. Yeah, I didn't. I was not riding a donkey. <laughs> no, and uh, um, and yeah, I think that was not a whole lot of sacrifice in that either. But it, it was real in my mind at that age and stage. I think that's what resonates with me, like as. Being younger, when you think about what do you want to be when you grow up and what are your goals and what do you want to achieve? And it's all wealth-based, right? It's like, I want to be comfortable. I want to have lots of things and I want to have lots of money. Oh, I wanted power (laughs) as much as I wanted money. (laughs) Uh, Well, for me, it was the idea of having many things and just realizing to follow Jesus really meant letting go of some things maybe I wanted in order to follow what Jesus wants for me instead. And the things that the world values are not really where life is. So here's another thing for us to think about. Jesus's invitation for others to follow him occurs as he's on his journey towards the cross. What does this communicate to those who choose to follow him? I mean, I think it communicates that he's serious when he says, take up your cross and follow mm-hmm. me, right? That the way 
of following Christ is the way of sacrifice. And honestly, when I think about the connection between this and giving up things that I love, like I can go back to childhood and, you know, those aspirations, however juvenile or not, if I'm going to be honest about the nitty gritty kinds of things of life that I, I love and that I have to give up to follow Jesus, it's just comfort, mm. you know, it's yep. comfort. And, and it, I mean, this is in the nuts and bolts of life. Like, am I going to choose selfish comfort or am I going to choose the kinds of things that would be uh, a godly sacrificing husband? Am I going to choose selfish comfort or am I going to choose the kinds of things that would make me a godly sacrificing dad that gives me the opportunity to, you know, point my family to the gospel? Am I going to choose comfort or am I going to choose to sacrifice myself for my coworkers? Like those are the kinds of things that are happening in the everyday trenches of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Comfort. I mean, we've, I think we've said it several weeks in this series now, but that is always the first thing that comes to my mind. And it looks like we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, at the end of these questions. But, you know, another thing uh, that I thought of is just even time, like time to do what I want, time to do um, nothing, if that's what I want to do. And, you know, choosing to give up time watching TV so that I can do homework because that's my next step with God or whatever it is. Like that seems so silly, but it's been different. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like, think about all the verses that say, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, right? Like, and, and my flesh has been, has been nailed to the cross and I'm going to die to myself. And, and that's what it proves. Like if we're going to follow the way of Christ, there has to be a death, mm-hmm. a death of our self and selfishness and a resurrection of new life in Christ that brings us to this point that our life is repurposed mm-hmm. and our, our master has changed. And the new master that's calling the shots is always going to point us towards the work of love and, and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think about the many times in the Gospel of Luke where people come up to Jesus and say, oh, I'm all in, I want to follow you. And up front, Jesus tells them, Here's what it looks like, exactly what we just read. You're going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow me and it's you're going to have to deny yourself. And many times they come up with excuses or they walk away. And so I love this, this passage in Luke 14 where Jesus says to count the cost before you step in. Which one of you, if you want to build the tower, doesn't make sure you have the money and the resources before you start? And so he says, before you choose to follow me on the front end, you should be aware. Here's what it costs. Are you in? Yeah. Well, and I think go, going all the way back to the beginning about the wrong idea of Jesus, it's like, let's let's recognize that Jesus is multidimensional too, you know? Like maybe you just want to follow the, let the little children come to me, Jesus. Or maybe you want to follow the, I'm going to go into the temple and turn over tables, mm-hmm. Jesus. Or, or maybe you want to, like, yes, those are Jesus. And so is the, I'm going to climb up on the cross and give myself mm-hmm. away to the point of death, Jesus. Yeah. And I... I Every time we talk about this, the idea of Jesus becomes our Lord, I just, I, we couldn't, we can't say it enough. Like, we find new life and forgiveness in Jesus, but he also gives us new purpose. Yeah. And our lives become about him now. And I just, we, we can't talk about it enough. Yeah, I've been over here uh, thinking about how much I like that word repurposed and mm-hmm. how much meaning is carried in it because being repurposed also has a redemptive quality to mm. it. That's good. Well, immediately after this, Jesus, as he's beginning his journey towards the cross, and it's closer than it's ever been, he says this in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
And I just think it's so interesting. Jesus's heart is troubled at what lies ahead of him. He knows what's coming, yet he chooses and he makes a choice to do the will of the Father. And it's such a powerful moment that we see here as he talks about it. So my question, if we are in his footsteps and we are also following him, what is something that you have dreaded or was difficult that actually led to more joy in life in the end? It wasn't dreaded, but... um you know, the process of adoption is difficult. Mm. Um, and the joy on the other side of it, it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always easy. Like any kind of parenting, it's not always yeah. easy. Um, but it's, it's, it's you know, an amazing experience of faith. It's, it connects you with the heart of God, unlike anything that I've ever experienced. Because uh, Jesus is the only begotten child of God. Uh, the rest of us are adopted, mm-hmm. you know, and so being the being a father through adoption, man, it teaches me things about how God loves me and what it looks like to choose love, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, man, endless joy, endless joy, but a difficult process. Mm-hmm. I think about what Jesus talked about. You know, you have to lose your life to save it. You, if you're going to follow me, here's what it costs. And I just I, what I think about in this moment with Jesus is for us. When we identify what what God wants us to do, we identify a next step to take, like it's you're in the middle of the adoption process or you're in the middle, Shelly, of your schedule being turned upside down because you're doing taking the step and then realizing this is hard or this is not what I wanted. And I just think that's where Jesus is in this moment where he says, my, my, my soul is troubled. Mm. <laughs> he's in the middle of it. And yet he says, but no, I came to this. God brought me here. The father brought me here. Father, glorify your name. And just, I just, I think I I feel so much empathy in that moment of like, it's okay in the midst of the hard to look up and be like, man, was this the right choice? Or this is a lot more than I thought. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> and yet Jesus is a great example for us. Just, this is hard. It's okay. But, you know, may, may God's will be done. Let's, let's keep going. You know who had a dreaded, dreadful job, but it was joy in the end? Is that baby donkey? <laughs> <laughs> the miraculous baby donkey. <laughs> oh, Father, glorify your name. <laughs> hey, Hall. Oh, what a miracle. That's so funny. <laughs> it's on that baby, a grown man on a baby donkey. Pick that donkey up and carry it. <laughs> I've never heard that. It makes me think, that question makes me think on a very small scale. It's similar to like going to the gym. I dread it almost every day. I am not a person who looks forward to going to the gym. I go because I need to and because I know it's good for me. And so at the end of it, I feel good. I feel accomplished and I'm healthier for it, but it is difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not a person who just... Like Jeff, he he wants to go work out because for him it's a stress reliever, and for me stress inducing. Yes, that's what I told him. It's like it is it is one of the stressful parts of my day. (laughs) I feel the stress of the weights. (laughs) Uh, I'm with you. I was almost like I I was not almost. I was there to the point that I had done it so long and so with so much discipline that I was looking forward to it mm-hmm. and I fell off the wagon and I'm right back to it's drudgery to like, work out, I miss <laughs> but I'm, it, I'm getting there, but I still dread it every day. Yeah. <laughs> fell well, off the wagon and landed in a pile of queso. queso? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was be queso. 
Jesus often reminded people following uh, that following him came with great personal cost, but ultimately was worth it in the end. Yet we often prioritize the comfort and ease of today over the fulfillment that Jesus promises later. So my question is, can you pinpoint an area of your life where you are too comfortable? I could go faster on the treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) Step it up. Man, I think we're in a season where we are chasing our tails with three kids and one in high school. And um, there's nothing about that that's comfortable. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, in so many ways, we avoided this busyness for so long. And now that we've entered into the high school phase, it feels like a switch has flipped on us. And, uh, and for the first time, maybe in our entire marriage, like, I think we could default into just being comfortable with knowing that we're good. And, and I don't want to do that. You know, I want to, I want to stay intentional, even though it's harder to be intentional now than it's ever been because we're so busy juggling the kids. And, uh, and so anyway, I think, I think there's some of that. It's like, man, we could be, we could be too comfortable on how strong and healthy our marriage is. And at, and over time, uh, let some things go or mm-hmm. dilute or, you know, just priorities slip away. Um, so I'm, I think we're on the front end of seeing that. We're in the first semester of having a high schooler and uh, just being aware of that. Hmm. I think mine is somewhat similar, maybe a little different. I think I feel really comfortable in my routine. Like, <clears throat> I've got little kids, and so week to week looks real similar. You know, um, we do this, we do that, and, and our days, and we've got our structure. Maybe I have a high need for change, <laughs> but part of me, <clears throat> you know, doing stuff with my kids, one something I was thinking about was like, man, what is something we can do as a family, even just to help my kids feel like, hey, here's a God dream. Here's something we're going to trust God for. Here's something we're going to do. We're going to be generous in a certain way. And just feeling like, man, how can I lead our family to do something? Um, even simple, but is clearly like, hey, let's pray a big prayer together and ask God to tell us or show us where to give or what to do. Or just, I love that. Um, just, I don't know, like adding a new layer to what our discipleship looks like with my kids and, and mm-hmm. changing well, And it. I love that. And it takes me back to last week's conversation. We had some really interesting conversation in my small group. Uh, and, and there was some honest stuff too about like uh, being really comfortable financially mm-hmm. and looking at Mary pouring it all out mm-hmm. with, you know, no, no regard for all that she was risking. And uh, hearing you say, you know, leading your family in a way that's like, you know what, maybe let's, Let's even pray in such a way that might assault our financial comfort. Mm. That's that's bold. Yeah. I think an area I can tend to be too comfortable in is, um, I don't really know how to word it, but just not always being outward focused. Like, I really love being home, and I really love, um, like, hanging out with Jeff. And I love hanging out with my friends, too, but I'm not great at, like, being out in my neighborhood and mm. getting to know people I don't already know. And so... Um, if your neighborhood was air-conditioned. If my neighborhood was air-conditioned <laughs> and I didn't have all this homework to do. It'd be a game-changer. <laughs> so I've been doing some things to try to get to know more neighbors. And, you know, I'm kind of starting with neighbors that I do know a little bit and kind of slowly expanding that. But I, I feel like I had let myself get way too comfortable in mm. that. 
That's good. Well, the last question is kind of a follow-up. What can you do to take a step out of your comfort zone? Well, one, I mean, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Michelle was saying. We've been talking for a long time. We've been on our new street for four years now. It's not mm-hmm. so new anymore. Um, and we've been talking for a long time about having a, a street party and, and inviting everybody on the street to our driveway for, you know, hot dogs and hang out. And it's the perfect time of year, you know, it's like yeah, that's what, true. we could prioritize that and uh, get out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. One thing that always comes to my mind, and it's just a phrase people use or talk about is the idea of dangerous prayers, you know, like praying in a way and asking God to do something that maybe you're afraid of and not even specifics, but like, Hey God, help send me, um, show me something, um, that I can give to show me something that you want me to do. And really as you're praying to really just be saying, God, I'm, I'm actually giving you all of this in my life to say, what would you want? What would you have me do with it? And really just making yourself available through your prayers. And and I think for me, that's kind of where I find this idea of take a step, take a step out is I don't necessarily have the, this, the, that, then this, but just start praying in a way that's God, what would you want me to do? And would you help me be bold enough that I'm not afraid if, if you put something in front of me? Um, but the idea of dangerous prayers. Yeah, that's good. I think for me, something I think about with my specific one is to, I don't know, start small is the right word, but I, something that we've talked about before is invite people into your life, like invite them in to do something that you enjoy doing, you know, like if you enjoy dessert and coffee, invite them over for dessert and coffee. Don't feel like it has to be this big, huge deal or whatever. Um, and that really... <laughs> we like naps. <laughs> you can't invite people into your You could. <laughs> you shouldn't. Shouldn't. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. Mm. Like, And not, not in like a let's keep it as comfortable as possible way, but yeah. it doesn't have to be this radical super difficult thing just do it well and i like what you're saying it's like if if inviting someone into it is discomfort Mm -hmm. then it's okay to put it into something that has a comforting context you know like ice cream yeah like ice cream or our sleep number (laughs) (laughs) no Uh, cool well this was good this was fun uh, if you are have been listening to the Brazos Point Living Room, we want you to know that next week we're going to take a break for Thanksgiving, but the week after, we are going to be doing a special interview with a very special guest. So look forward to it. It's going to be fun and exciting. Is it Dion Warwick? Mike, Mike Dicka. <laughs> Did we get Andy Stanley? <laughs> Wax Samuel. All of the above. Samuel is what I said. Samuel. Samuel. You're going to live in suspense. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? You'll have to listen on that week. Uh, And then we'll continue with a new series after that. The Baby Donkey. The Baby Donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're glad you're listening. I hope you have a great week and we'll catch you next week.